Hello and welcome back to our second series of the podcast, Women in Venture Capital. Rashvina and I have been extremely grateful to all our guests and listeners who've made the first series so much fun and engaging. With over 40 episodes in the last one, we are back, pumped with more energy and zeal to make this one a success too. Our guest today is Annalise Campbell. Annalise is an angel investor and in 2020, co-founded Scribble Ventures, a seed stage investment fund. Since then, she has led Scribble's investments in companies such as Whatnot, NCX, Equity, Pipeline, Campus Wire, and All Blue Labs. Earlier, she was with the Western Technology Investment, being the first woman to join WTI's investment team. While there, she led investments in Mpharma, Terminal.io, and Kobo360 while working with investments in Africa, including Andela, Flutterwave, Minds.io, and Tala. Annalise previously worked at Dropbox, where she was a founding member of its products analytics team. Welcome to our show, Annalise. This is the first episode of our second series, and we are very, very grateful to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here and, yeah, excited to chat today. Awesome. So jumping right into our questions, uh, the first one we have for you is that you started your career with investment banking, and then you transitioned into product at Dropbox. Curious to know, how did you realize that you were actually interested in venture capital and the investing space? Yeah, I mean, gosh, like I feel so many people there, it was not, um, it was not an intentional kind of career path that I had um, in college. So I went to Yale for college. And to be honest, I think I had blinders on a little bit. I was a political science major, so learned a lot, but a lot about nothing that I do today. Um, and I think so many people, so many of my friends were going into consulting or investment banking. Um, and so I didn't, I don't think I thought as critically as I maybe should have in college when I was a senior. And I kind of thought, okay, I need to get a hard skill set. So I'll just go into investment banking. I'll learn a lot. And then from there, I can figure out what I really want to do. Um, I did know I wanted to get into tech and entrepreneurship. My dad is an entrepreneur. And so I've sort of always grown up around watching him start companies. Um, and so I interned uh, in New York at Barclays, got the offer and was lucky enough to be able to transfer it out to the Menlo Park office to do the technology, media and telecommunications group um, out there in Menlo Park. Um, got out there and you know, very quickly realized that it was not what I wanted to be doing. I think interning in New York City investment banking is very different from like full-time when you're out in Menlo Park, um, you know, for, for a lot of reasons, like you get out at 2 a.m. and in New York kind of everyone is still up and restaurants are still open and you can kind of still have somewhat of a life in Menlo Park, that's not the case. But I think even more so than that, I was surrounded by people who were working at startups and doing what, in my opinion, was a lot more interesting things than what I was doing at investment banking. And so um, I had a, a very close friend at Dropbox at the time who, um, who I was talking to about this and ended up leaving Barclays after, you know, less than six months and joined Dropbox just at a great time in the company kind of trajectory was able to wear a lot of different hats. 
customer support, sales, things like that. Eventually started the product analytics team with a couple other people, grew that out. Um, after about two and a half, three years of doing that, loved it. Can talk a lot about what I learned and why I loved it, but eventually just realized that I didn't want to be doing analytics for my career. Um, and so kind of was thinking through what next. And, and to be honest, was thinking I would just go to a much earlier stage startup um, and was kind of pursuing that path and then opportunistically kind of having conversations around um, going into venture as well. Um, and then I met the team at WTI, fell in love with them, didn't know anything about venture debt, frankly, didn't really know anything about venture or equity or anything. And so viewed it kind of as a as a replacement to business school and a way that I could kind of learn a lot about all sides of venture. This is really exciting. And what really stuck to me here, Annalise, in your journey was that you kind of went with the flow. Uh, you explored new things that you thought you liked and you started taking a stance on whether you want to continue and do it in the long term. Uh, very curious about your journey at Dropbox. You specifically called out that you loved it and you'd love to talk more about it. Um, how about sharing a couple of things that really stuck out to you that you really loved uh, at your time there, both for the company as well as the role? Yeah, I mean, so when I joined, it was it was still it felt still relatively early, um, and so everyone kind of knew everyone, and it was unlike my experience at at you know in investment banking, it was very much kind of like. Um, you know, a hustle environment, like the more you hustle, the more opportunities you've got. And so you weren't rewarded for kind of sitting in your chair at your desk all day and being the last one in the office at night. You were rewarded for, you know, meeting as many people as you could, offering to help, even if you were offering to help, you know, I was doing a lot of kind of non-glamorous jobs, but it'll it brought me closer to people who, you know, otherwise would never have known my name. It put me into meetings that I had no business being in. Um, and so I think just like that meant that that environment of just like hustling and trying to help out wherever you can was, I think, really good for me and something I really loved. And so, you know, I came in doing customer support. So answering help help tickets um, and then did a, a kind of a rotation in, in sales as well. But during those during those sort of roles. I also um, worked with a partnership team. I worked with uh, the user research team. And then all the while I was teaching myself SQL on the side. And so um, kind of because I was able to work on all these different teams, meet all these people, when the time came around to, okay, what, what, what do I actually want to do after sales? Um, you know, I had enough kind of people on my side to help me think through and a few other people think through starting our own team. Um, initially it was called Insights Analytics, kind of a combination of qualitative and quantitative research on product development. Um, this was before there was really a user research team built out. Very quickly we realized that was way too much um, of a scope for one team. And so we transitioned to just be the product analytics team, focus on the quantitative side of product development. And then there was a user research team that got built out. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that, um, I learned so much about how teams function, how, what it's like within a comp within a high growth company. Um, and then just met amazing people who to this day are like, um, have just been very impactful for me in my career. 
having done a startup myself i completely agree with you the hustle that that you put in and the the people you work with and the results you deliver and get rewarded against um that that's really an interesting experience you shared too switching gears a little bit um kate from our team who actually researched a little bit about your background uh, found out that you've been a successful largely successful student athlete we'd love to know how you would connect those experiences with your professional career yes i um so i ran uh i was a three season varsity athlete at yale cross country indoor track and outdoor track um my event was kind of middle distance uh so 800 meters I mean, you know, at the time, I don't think I appreciated how, like, it important it was for me. But I think it, like, I think there's a lot of parallel, like, a lot of things that I learned and that have really helped me in my career. I think one is just I'm being very organized, and you know, when you're a student athlete, you know, a three season student athlete, it's really like a I, I don't know if I would say full-time job, but close to a full-time job just with practice and meets, track meets are typically two days, so entire weekends. Um, and so when you're doing that and then also juggling, you know, schoolwork, you have to be organized and you can't leave things to the last minute. And so I think that has really helped me. I'm also just a very competitive person. Anyone who knows me uh, will tell you how competitive I am. And I think like in some ways, venture is similar to track in that it's you're you're almost competing against yourself um it is there's there are team dynamics but it's very much of an individual sport in many ways um and you know you can kind of i think uh really carve out how much time and how much effort you want to do put into everything you do within the role within the work and so I think I see a lot of parallels between kind of my track and my running experience and you know in college and and what I do now that's that really sounds fun your analogy of saying venture is closer or similar to track is really exciting um switching gears another time <clears throat> how was your experience as one of the first females female team members on the investment team at WTI Share with us aspects of inclusion and diversity that you experienced at the fund. Yeah, so I mean, I'll start by saying I had, I was at WTI for four years, had an incredible time. The partners there are some of my very close friends and mentors to this day. Many of them are LPs and Scribble now. Um, so I think the world of WTI and my experience there. I think something that gets lost a lot in this diversity conversation is the the importance of you know maybe non-obvious um, traits when it comes to diversity. So you know around um, you know education, socioeconomic upbringing, religion, all of these things. And I'm not you know I'm not like going to comment on all of this within WTI per se, but I think like. I felt very much like a well heard at WTI. I had a seat at the table. I was able to lead my own deals. I had incredible mentorship from Rudy, Dave, David, Maurice, Jay. Um, so it wasn't, you know, I didn't, I knew I was the first female on the investment team and, you know, the firm's called 40 year history or so, but it, I never felt like it was, um, it was an obstacle. Um, at all. In some ways, I think it was, it was helpful. Um, 
So, and I, I know that's not true at all firms. And I think WTI is a special place, but um, yeah, I think I got lucky with, with that opportunity. That's honestly really good to hear. Um, and great to know that your experience so far had been really, really nice. Uh, we noticed that both WTI and now at Scribble, you've been engaging yourself in early stage investing. Um, curious to know what really draws you to that and what sectors in particular are of interest to you at this time? Yeah, I mean, I have tremendous respect for founders, early stage founders. I mean, I, like I said at the beginning, I've, you know, my dad has been a founder for his whole career. And so um, growing up seeing that, my husband is a founder of an early stage company. I think there's so much to being a builder and a maker that I love about early stage. I also think, you know, I think that I'm an investor, so I don't like, I think that that full-time investors kind of can lose sight of like what it's like to be in the trenches. And I feel like when you're investing in early stage founders, you're a little bit closer to feeling what it's like to be a builder and a maker. And I think you have more opportunity to be kind of in the trenches with them. Obviously you're not doing any of the real hard work, but I think that you can be a little bit more of a needle mover than maybe you can be at the you know, at late stage or growth stage um, rounds where at that point you're essentially just a check and maybe some governance. Um, and yeah, and so I, I love that. I think also, you know, a lot of early stage founders are my friends, like they're, you know, in my age group. And so I think um, that's also kind of been a draw for me of like, you know, it's just all my friends are, you know, early stage founders. And so I've gravitated towards that too, to some extent. That's really nice. And what sectors in particular uh, are something that you're looking at? What do you think is uh, maybe a couple of next big things that you're seeing after the pandemic world? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a generalist. I'm not thesis driven. I think it's, I think it's hard to be thesis driven at this stage, especially right now. I feel I feel very reactionary in some ways, almost, you know, this is not the question, but in some ways I constantly trying to balance this reactionary versus kind of being proactive um, mindset to investing. But at this early stage when, you know, I'm investing in pre-seed, seed, some series A companies, um, you know, I think if you're thesis driven, it's, and, and, and when you're not leading rounds, it can be tough to kind of have the time to actually go proactively kind of create a thesis and then find those companies, like especially when things are moving so quickly. And so I've invested in, um, you know, a wide variety of things, um, you know, marketplace companies, climate companies, uh, B2B software companies. Um, you know, I think, yeah, so I, I guess it's not a great answer, but um, I, I, I don't, there are not specific sectors that I'm focused in. No, I completely agree. And I feel that's on point uh, and makes complete sense. Um, on a final question, what advice would you give to folks who are looking to break into and progress in the venture capital ecosystem? Yeah, I, I know this is also, this, I, I said this at the beginning and I know it's kind of probably oversaid and not not tremendously helpful, but I'll caveat this with saying there's not one path. And so like what worked for me or what I did is not you know, the only way to, to, to 
come at this, like only angle to come at this too. Um, I do think having kind of startup or operating experience is tremendously valuable. Um, you know, just understanding what it's like to be at a high growth company, understanding how all the teams interact, you know, like how product teams work with customer facing teams, things like that, that I think you can only get by actually being in, you know, at a startup, getting that operating experience. I think also like working at a startup and working, getting that operating experience, you build a network that is incredibly valuable for when you do make the transition to venture. Like I said, a lot of um, the people I still work really closely with as co-investors are all people I met at Dropbox. Um, and then, um, you know, I think bringing a fresh perspective. And so what, however that manifests itself, but like, you know, not, not just kind of following along with the trends that you're reading um, and kind of putting your own spin on it, but really being true to yourself, being true to your own thoughts, like going back to this diversity, like I think there is a, in a, there's obviously a lack of diversity in venture and in tech, but I think there's also a lack of diversity of thought and opinion. And so bringing, I think, fresh perspectives is incredibly valuable. Um, and then, you know, saying yes to things, saying yes, like when you're young in your career, you have that luxury of just being able to say yes to everything. And so there's no job that should be above you when you're starting out your career, wherever that is. Um, you know, I have a friend who works in, um, in LA in kind of the music industry, and she, you know, she always got coffee for um, her, her boss's boss. And eventually a role opened up and she interviewed. And when she walked into the office, the person interviewing knew her because she had always been getting the coffee for her. And she ended up getting that role, but you know, no one else wanted to get the coffee because they thought it was kind of beneath them and that was a stupid job, but that ended up being so impactful for her. And so I think, um, you know, saying yes to, you know, the opportunities that come your way no matter what they are is, is really important. That's super powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's been a great conversation. Um, and before we end, we will continue our, um, our legacy of doing rapid fire rounds at the end. Um, so we'll have a short one this time and uh, just maybe three or four questions. And like the name suggests, you'll have a, as few seconds as you can to answer the question. Uh, we'll start with a simple one. Um, are you a cat or a dog person? Dog. Plus one. Um, a little bit on a serious note, which are the last two books that you read that you read and really liked um, and would recommend our, our listeners? Um, so I'm actually reading a book right now called Silk Roads um, by Peter Frankopan. I, I, jury's still out on what I think about it. I think it's an interesting history lesson, but it's, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it. So I'm not gonna include that one. The two books would be probably that I last read that I actually loved. One I'd read previously, but that's The Bridge of San Luis Rey by Thornton Wilder. And then more kind of work-related, um, crucial conversations. Um, really good, highly recommend a book for people who in any career, just figuring out how to have <laughs> hard conversations in a, in, a, in a good way. That's interesting. I haven't read either, so they're going on my list next awesome um women leaders who you really look up to and admire oh man there's so many um i mean kirsten green like 
just from afar, I idolize her. I think what she's done with Forerunner is amazing. And the fact that she's like kept her spunk, anyone who I've ever talked to who's worked with her has, you know, they describe her as like fierce and so helpful, but also like the person who will be, ask you how you're doing. I just, from afar, I, I idolize in some ways, Kirsten Green. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, she would probably be the, the the number one person just in my role. But then of course, like Sheryl Sandberg, Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, a lot of people. That's awesome. And the last one, um, what is your life mantra? Oh, I have a lot of life mantras, but probably do your best and forget the rest. <laughs> I love it. This is this has been great. Uh, thank you so much, Annalise. This was a great conversation. Thank you for being candid. Um, and we hope our listeners have a have a good time uh, listening our conversation as well. Um, to all you guys, you can actually follow us on Twitter as well now. Our handle is VC underscore women. And we'll keep coming out with newer episodes with amazing guests like Annalise. And we'd love to uh, hear from you in terms of, of your feedback as well. So thanks again, Annalise. It was great having you on. Thank you so much.